Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of coming together to study your word. And tonight we invite your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to be our guide. To guide us into all the truth that liberates, delivers, and makes us free. We thank you that ears are anointed to hear. Our hearts are anointed to receive. Our minds are anointed, dear Father, to understand and know the truth that makes us free. Change us by what we hear tonight from glory to glory. Conform us to the very image of Jesus Christ our Lord. That we may shine as lights in a world of darkness, holding forth the word of life to this generation that you have called us to. And for all things, Father, we'll give you the praise, honor, the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Praise God, amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you about change. We've been talking about our thoughts and attitudes ought to be changing for the better. And we did about seven lessons, I believe, on that subject. And this past Sunday, emphasized that God wants us to be changed. Anybody here want to be changed? Have you been changed since you've been born again? Has it made a difference in your life? You're not that same person that you used to be, are you? No, but we can also change more from one degree of glory to another degree of glory as we continue to look into the Word of God. So that's our subject tonight. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 from the Amplified Bible. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in every ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit and so this is the will of God for all of our lives not to become stagnant and say okay I paid my dues I go to church once in a while but to be intent and sincere and serious about changing from glory to glory. See, a true disciple sits at the feet of his master. He peers into his eyes. He listens to his every word. He watches all that he does with the earnest desire to be conformed to his image and likeness. To be just like him in conduct, character, attitude, behavior, etc., speech. And that's what God wants for all of us. So, it's important that we understand that God loves us with a tremendous love. But he loves us too much to leave us as we are. You realize that? He wants us to be changed from glory to glory. But change doesn't take place just because we want it to happen. It, it takes place because we do something to promote it. And that's understandable, right? When Brother Chuck came back from his vacation, I noticed that he had a change about him. I could be sitting in my office and say, suntan, 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 suntan. It didn't happen. He comes back. You know why? He did something about it. He was sitting out there in the sun where the sun had access to his life and his families, and they came back with a suntan. I can sit in my office all I want and say, suntan please, suntan please, suntan please. It's not going to happen. 
I don't have uh, those kind of lights in my office. But you get my point. Something has to be done. Now, what I want to use as an example to illustrate this tonight is going to be the life of Isaiah and his experience in seeing the Lord. But before I do, every day I pray for this congregation. And when I pray for the congregation, I pray this prayer so that respectively we could each experience these things according to the need of the person. If we need an Isaiah 6 moment, I say that. Or a prodigal son moment, I say that. Or a Damascus Road experience. And why do I single out those three? Because they're different in scope. And if we understand what they mean, then we can know that we're going to have people everywhere with us, within our congregation or without. Maybe we've got some wayward children like the prodigal son of old that needs to be wooed back. And so, Father, dispatch your angels and other ministering spirits and labors of love to go surround them and don't let them go until they hear your voice from on high. Prodigal son. Damascus Road experience. Paul's intent. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's serving God. And what's he doing? He wants to destroy Christianity and continue to promote Judaism. So what happens? He sees Jesus. And guess what? He has a 180. You know, sometimes that's what we need. We've been going in the wrong direction, and we've got to see the light of his glory. And when we do, we've got a change that takes place in our lives. Well, Isaiah had that moment as well. Look at Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. An Isaiah 6 moment. And I pray this for all of us, myself included. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. We're going to stop right there. Notice King Uzziah died. At this time, when he had this experience, it was a time of crisis in the life of Isaiah, the prophet, because King Uzziah died. He reigned for 52 years over Judah. And was a tremendous king. Very intellectual with regard to his leadership as far as politically. And also a military leader. And so now what's happening is. He dies and Isaiah even though he's the prophet of God is. Like in a panic mode so to speak. Now what's going to happen? How many of you remember November 22nd 1963? What happened on that day? I was 11 years old when it happened. And our president, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. And when I was in school, oh my goodness, what a hush. There were tears flowing. And there was panic. There was fear. We're going to get into a war. I mean, everything was over the news and the radio, producing more and more fear and dread and terror and panic in the lives of the people. Well, you see, it's comparable, but it could even be worse here in, the, in Isaiah's life. Why? Because the Assyrians were gaining strength. They were marching on. They were gaining momentum. And they were heading toward Judah. It could have meant destruction as far as they were concerned. But it was at that moment, in this time of crisis, that all of a sudden he sees the Lord. He sees him high and lifted up. He sees him seated on a throne. And all of a sudden, a tremendous change takes place because of what he saw. 
And you know what? If we just look into the same things and see the same things, change can take place in our lives as well. So we're going to look at some of the things that he saw so that we too can be changed by those same things. So number one, what does he see first and foremost? Oh yes, the king might be dead, but his God is alive. Look in the book of Psalms, chapter 90. King Uzziah might be dead, but the God he serves is alive. You know, sometimes when we encounter difficulties and challenges, and it seems like the world is crashing in around us, it might be a time of crisis, it's hard for us to even remember, hey, wait a minute. We serve the living God. Remember in the Psalms 135, I believe it is, where it said, the, the idol gods have ears, but they don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have a mouth, but they don't speak. They have an arm, but they can't reach out to help. But not so with our God. Our God is alive. Very much alive. Look at Psalm 90. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Kings will live and they will die. Monarchs will live and they will die. Prime ministers will live and they will die. Presidents will live and they will die. And the list goes on and on and on. But there is one who lives, who always was, who always is, who will always be, who never dies. A trillion years from now, he's still alive. Amen. And seated on the throne and reigning in power and might. And so he sees that he's alive. And guess what? He doesn't depend on anyone or anything for his existence whatsoever. He is self-sufficient, the almighty, everlasting, eternal, loving God. Praise God. And it's important for us to, hey, wait a minute, take a step back from what you're going through and remember my God that I serve is alive. I don't have this false image. I've got the real living creator of the universe. And he's my God. Wow. And guess what? This wasn't a picture. He saw him seated on the throne. You talk about painting a picture, seeing God like that, that'll change anybody. And that's my point. We can study the scriptures and pour over them, but you see, we've got to take the time to really focus in on what they're saying to us. And I believe that he gave us the, picture, the, the word to paint pictures upon the canvas of our hearts so that we can see the reality of a living God in our lives. Number two, what's the second thing that he saw? He saw that he rules from his throne. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. Notice again what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting where? Upon a throne. He wasn't cutting the grass. He wasn't running a crane or driving a truck. He wasn't teaching a school somewhere in a classroom. Where was he? Seated on a throne. That means he was ruling from the heavens. Glory to God. 
He wasn't at wit's end. He wasn't in a place where he was fretting over what was taking place. He wasn't looking at Isaiah's crisis and saying, you know what? I wonder if I have enough power to overcome the situation and help uh, Isaiah out. Not at all. No, he's a living God and he rules. He reigns in power and majesty upon his throne. And so he saw that. And when he saw that, what comfort it brings to the heart to realize, we say it all the time, God is still on the throne. What are you going through tonight? God that you serve is still on the throne. We don't say that flippantly. We say that because we recognize the fact that number one, he is alive. And number two, he is on the throne and he is ruling from the heavens above. And we want to jump into what he's doing. I mean, it's one thing to say we want to get him involved with what we're doing, but it should be the opposite. We want to get involved in what he is doing on the earth and make ourselves available to be used by him. Also, notice uh, number three. He saw that God is all powerful. Go back to that verse again. He's seated on the throne. He's alive. He's on the throne. He is all powerful. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne. How? High and lifted up. Do you remember when the devil decided he rebelled against God in the very beginning when he was Lucifer and he, wor- he led the worship service up there in the glorious world, in the glory realm? He decided he was going to exalt his throne above the stars, above the throne of Almighty God. He had a plan. He actually thought he could use God's principles and turn them against himself and overthrow the kingdom of God. He wanted to exalt his throne to the highest place that there is in all the universe. But praise God Almighty, he was brought down by the living God because there's no one greater than him. He is greater than all powers, dominions, names, might, majesties, etc. And so he saw this. When he saw him on that throne, so high, so lifted up, he was aware of the fact that not only does he reign, but he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There isn't anything that can stand in his way. He will accomplish his purposes and his will upon the earth because he is the living God, because he is reigning on the throne, and he is all-powerful. Look at the book of Daniel. We talked about Nebuchadnezzar recently, but notice this. This was after he came to himself. He came to himself. In other words, He lost his mind. He lost his senses because of pride and he fell. He was living like an animal out there in the wilderness. But the moment came in his life that he came to himself. And what did he do? He looked up. He spoke up and this is what he said. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. And among, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou or what are you doing? He went on to say there is no God that can deliver the way God Almighty delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a burning fiery furnace. There is no God like that. And when this king was challenged by the living God, praise God, hallelujah, Think about it. He saw that only God prevails. So he's all powerful. 
So notice these characteristics that he's beginning to really look into about the God that he served. He is alive no matter what the situation is. No matter how difficult or how challenging it might be. He's alive and he reigns. And he reigns in power and authority. There is no power above his power. There is no rule above his rule. There is no one that reigns uh, higher than he reigns. And remember when Jesus was risen from the dead and he said, Behold, I, I am he that liveth and was dead, but I'm, a whole, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He was given all power and authority over heaven, earth, and all, everything that, that was created by Almighty God. So he has all authority. He has all power given to him. And he is seated at the Father's right hand where he reigns in power and majesty. And so as we look at our situation, what do we do? Do we get a glimpse of what Isaiah saw? Can we paint a picture for ourselves? I understand my situation is, is maybe serious. And my situation is maybe difficult. But as long as I keep on looking at the problem. And don't look at the problem solver. I'm going to be subject to the problem. But when I shift my eyes and my focus and my attention away from the problem. And I look to the problem solver. And I start realizing wait a minute. Wait a minute. My God is still alive and he is seated on his throne. He's a God of all power and might. And he has power above all powers, mights, dominions, and name that is named. In this world or that which, which is to come. And so my eyes are upon you like Jehoshaphat's. Let them come at me from the north, south, east, and west. It doesn't matter. The God I serve reigns and he's more than enough. And then number four, he saw that he is majestic. Go back. Isaiah chapter uh, 6 once again and again the latter part of this verse he's high lifted up and notice this his train filled the temple now you think about let's say maybe someone has on this beautiful gown and there's a flowing train when she's getting married and all eyes are upon her and she looks so beautiful and majestic as she enters in the church and walks down the aisle and you see but I'll tell you what this didn't just fill the aisle this train of the Lord's glory filled the whole temple. The glory of the Lord had filled the whole temple of the living God. He saw majesty. Oh my goodness. Majesty he saw. Look at Psalm 93 and verse 1 and 2. Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be, be moved. Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. And so now as he begins to see the throne and see God reigning, see him alive, now he sees the majesty of his presence, how he, he really reigns in power and majesty and his regal majesty that's displayed there can you see how quickly his attention is removed from what's taking place because Uzziah died and the Assyrian army they're gathering themselves together with great momentum and they're coming in to do their work and bring destruction to Judah but all of a sudden his eyes and his focus and his attention is not on the problem any longer his attention is now on the living God he's alive he reigns he's powerful and mighty he is majestic in beauty Hallelujah. Matter of fact, I love to quote Psalm 104. He's clothed with honor and majesty. He's covered with light as a garment. 
He stretched forth the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. I told Andrew the other day, he walks upon the wind, wings of the wind. He just did a double take and said, what? I said, yeah, he walks upon the wings of the wind. He said, really? He said, that's wonderful. I said, yeah, Andrew. God, the God, the one that you love so much, walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes his angels spirits, his ministers of flaming fire. He laid the foundations of the earth, and they shall not be removed, and set the boundaries of the sea, and the water shall not pass over by a perpetual decree. Think about that. The magnitude of the glory of the living God that we serve. His power is so awesome. We think about, we talked about Sunday, how long it would take to drive your car to the sun. 177 years at 60 miles an hour, 24-7. Imagine that. And then on a spaceship traveling 25,000 miles an hour. And better remember how long it would take you? Close. Five months. Five months to get to the sun. And we think we got something up here. God speaks a word and the sun stands still. God speaks a word and it goes backward. So the shadow on the sundown goes back. God spoke and it came into existence. God spoke and all the stars are in, in, in manifestation out there in the universe. And God speaks and there's a continuous manifestation of, of, of creative activities and abilities of the living God throughout all that there is out there. We're hurled to the universe right now and we think we're standing still. We're rotating on an axis. We're being hurled through space. And we think we're standing still. By the breath of his nostrils. The waters of the sea part. And there's a dry land. Oh thou art very great. Clothed with honor and majesty. And he sees this. All this is just resonating within him. Look at the next one. He is revered. Verse 2 through 4. When I say have an Isaiah 6 moment. Are you getting this? For us all to have an Isaiah 6 moment. To see him alive. To see him reigning. To see him in all power. To see him in his majesty. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Now, you know how sometimes we see some of these depictions on these, whether it's a card or a mural somewhere or a painting somewhere, and we see these little chubby infant angels with their wings. Uh-uh. That's not right. These magnificent creatures there that he saw. First of all, he's revered. They revered God so much with one wing covered their eyes. With two rather covered their their eyes so that it would shield them from the glory of his presence. And their feet as well. A lot of scholars are really not aware of what that really means. All they know is that they reverence the living God in such a way that they won't even look upon his countenance. He is so bright, so brilliant, so glorious. No, they're not these little uh, chubby infant angels. 
But I tell you what, they're so powerful, their voice shakes the foundation or the threshold of the heavens. Imagine that. Something to think about. This is his moment. This is his chapter 6 moment. This is what he's experiencing. This is what he is seeing. How minute do you think that problem is on the earth? Because if you looked upon the circle of the earth from that perspective where God sits on his throne, remember heaven is his throne. The earth is his what? Footstool. Can you imagine buying a pair of shoes? Can you imagine how long that leg is? Think about it. It's his footstool. We must look like little what? On the earth compared to that. So the thing that's in us that is so big and so, my goodness, it's a uh, seemingly so insurmountable in our lives at the breath of his mouth. Like that, it's dealt with. We got to focus our attention on the magnitude of the greatness of the God that we serve to have this Isaiah 6 moment. Now, look at the next one. He also got a glimpse of the holiness of God. These are things that will help us to be changed. You want to get changed? He's revered, but now he's holy. Go back in Isaiah 6 and verse 3. And one cried to another. He said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. One for each of the Godhead. Holy, holy, holy. Now, when it comes to holiness, it's the holiness of God that separates him from all earthly things and all earthly persons. The holiness of God. We serve a holy God. Look at Exodus chapter, uh, I'm sorry, look at Habakkuk chapter 2 in verse 20. Now the Bible oftentimes will speak of things like holy ground. Remember when Moses was at the burning bush? And what was he told to do? Take your shoes off your feet. You're standing on holy ground. That ground was not holy because of anything in the, in the ground. It was holy because the presence of the living God was there in that place. And oftentimes you've heard me say this before, and this is one of my, if I could say it this way, a pet peeve that I have. People want church, not necessarily here, but church to be like just a social thing when we gather together like this. Churches are doing it today. It's called seeker-friendly churches. They even have cups holders in the back of the pews or the chairs and all that, like you're in a movie theater. And you're there just to, you know, have a good time and and all that. I'm all for a good time. That's why we have movie night. But when you're in this place, when we are gathered in this place, and we are separated from common use to holy use for the purposes of God, it becomes holy ground. And by what degree we acknowledge the holiness of God in this place and revere his presence is by what degree the glory of the living God will manifest here among us. If we come in haphazardly like it doesn't, we're not even aware of his presence. 
then you know what? There won't be a greater manifestation of the presence, power, and the glory of the living God. But if we come in and we say, I know you're in this place. We've gathered together in the name of Jesus. And where two are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. I know you're walking up and down these aisles. And I know you're pouring out your spirit. And I have come to honor you. I've come to stand before you. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Can you imagine that? In other words, let all the earth stand in awe of the presence of the glory of the living God and reverence his presence. He is so holy, holy, holy. And that's why the angels cry, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. When you set yourself apart, when I set myself apart to the service of the living God, we're talking about changing now changing from glory to glory look at this wherefore gird up the loins of your mind in other words get your mental powers ready to make a right decision or a right choice be sober minded and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or lifestyle, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Oh my goodness, wait a minute. How can he give such a mandate to all of us to be holy because he is holy? He alone is holy. But he says, ah, when you separate yourself for my use, no longer for common use, no longer for what you want to do with your life. When you and I came to him and said, I had enough of living by my standards. I've had enough of living my life on my own. I'm no longer wanting to be one who did it my way. As far as I'm concerned, I want you in my life. So Jesus, I'm opening up the door of my heart. I repent of my sins. I come before your presence. Come into me, into my heart, and give me a brand new heart. And when he came in, he made a deposit of his holiness on the inside of you and on the inside of me. And we are holy because he is holy. And now what does he want? Allow the holiness you have on the inside to make its way to the outside by getting your mind renewed new to the word of the living God as you can see who you are in him you are already made holy but now get it from the inside to the outside work out your salvation with fear and with trembling is what he's saying and so we are positionally holy and we want to be holy practically in a practical way can you say amen, amen. and that's how we're going to change from one degree to another we get before his presence, and we'll see that in just a moment. Look, look at the next one. He's glorious. He's glorious. So he sees all these things about his God. And his glory is his holiness in manifestation. You could say it this way. His glory is his holiness made public. So when we walk in the holiness of God, the holiness will manifest in glory. And that's why he says, be ye holy. Look in the book of Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee? What is he? Glorious in holiness. Glory is the manifestation of his holiness. He is fearful in praises, doing wonders among the people. And so when you and I recognize the holiness of God, 
and we see our lives really against the backdrop of his holiness, it has an effect upon our lives. As I said about sitting in the sun, you want to get a tan? Sit in the sun. Don't just talk about it. You could talk about it all you want, but you got to get out there. I didn't say tanning bed. I said sun. Get out there in the sun and let the sun tan your flesh if you'd like that. But you're not going to get it if you don't sit out there in it. So what are we saying? Sit in the presence of God. I know you have your Bible. I know you know the word. But sit in the presence of God. Take some time to say, you know what? I want to be changed. I want to move from glory to glory. I want what's on the inside to ooze out of me in a greater way. I want to walk in your holiness so that your glory will manifest in and through my life. I sit there before his presence and I say, here I am, Lord, change me. You know what? He'll shine the floodlight of his scrutiny upon our lives. He may point out some things, but you're not capable of change. Only he can change you by his spirit from glory to glory. But you see, we've got to sit there and say, okay, come on. Our God's a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. And no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And if we have the same cry of our heart like David had when he said, I want to see you. My, my soul longs for you. My flesh longs and thirsts for you as a dry, thirsty land where no water is. To see your power and your glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Therefore, will I praise you while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. In other words, I will sit in the sunlight of his love, of his holiness, of his power. Until his glory just floods my soul and changes me. I shared with you how Wigglesworth sat there in the presence of God, humbling himself, fasting and praying because he was given to anger and he didn't come out until he was changed by the hand of God. Look at Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 3. You talk about a holy God whose glory will manifest. Look at this. This is when Aaron's sons went in there and did what they shouldn't have done. And as a result, the fire of God manifested and they were destroyed. They were killed. Moses said to Aaron, whose sons just got really consumed by the consuming fire of our Lord this is it that the Lord spake saying I will be set, sanctified or set apart in them that come nigh me in other words if we're going to come near him come near him we need to set ourselves apart for that purpose and before all the people I will be glorified I will be glorified and so this manifestation of the glory of almighty God just was right there manifesting among the people he's letting them know that I'm a holy God and my glory is a manifestation of my holiness and so once again when we gather together like this I, mean, I don't know about you I believe as we reverence God's presence as we recognize his holiness as we honor him by giving him our undivided attention and then we sit in his presence and say father from the heart change me change me change me I believe he will manifest the light of his scrutiny and I believe his glory will flood our souls and I believe we'll be changed people because you can't sit in the presence of his holiness and not come out changed just like you can't sit out there in the sun and not get a suntan that's how it works that's how it happens if we're trying to do it on our own I'm just I'm not going to say that have you ever said that I'm not going to say this and again and with, within one minute you've said it you ever notice that you know you and I with this tongue of ours is just like James said it's just crazy out of control 
It's a world of iniquity. Remember that? Remember he said that? Mm-hmm. How are we going to tame this thing? Sit in the sunlight of his presence and let his glory flood our souls. We'll be changed. Now, here is how Isaiah was changed. His whole life was changed by seeing the presence of God. Seeing him as a living God who reigns in power. Who is clothed with splendor and majesty. Who is one that is to be revered, highly respected, holy, and full of glory and power. We can summarize this whole thing with four words, very potent and powerful words that I believe we can all embrace. This is how he was changed. First of all, he had clarity. In other words, he clearly saw God for who he is. Now we all have probably an idea. I don't know where your brain goes. But I try to think about the magnitude of the presence, the power, the greatness, the holiness of the living God. I don't know about your brain, but mine falls short. Does yours? How can God part the sea and make the land beneath it dry? Wow. We are so limited in our finite thinking. We don't see him as we should. Oh, we know that man has this innate desire to know the living God. Why? Because look at all the movies that are out there. All the superheroes that are out there. As a matter of fact, they're getting so crazy in this, we got Batman fighting Superman. Right? And you have all these different characters. Is there something inside man that wants to give birth to a superhero? Because deep within his soul he knows there's something bigger and something greater. Who wouldn't have, want to have the ability to leap a tall building at a single bound? And then of course one of the craziest ones I've ever seen was to fly around the world backwards until he caused to, it to turn back. To save Lois Lane. Imagine that. Think about it. Where does this all come from? Within the heart of man. As a matter of fact, we've got people that are out there that practice all these kinds of rituals and, and supernatural spiritualism things where they drink the blood of a lion to gain the strength of a lion. Or they drink the blood of a human who maybe had power like a Samson or something like that to gain the strength. Because you see there's something inside this man that wants to excel in strength, power, and might. And yet we fail to realize and recognize when Jesus came into our hearts and the Holy Ghost flood our souls there came within each and every one of us the God of the universe who created all things who says I'm greater in you than anything you will face in this life 
I am greater in you than he that is in the world. And you house the very spirit that raised the living God from the dead. And he said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no life in you. But praise God, we partake of the blood and of the flesh of the Son of the living God. Not carnivorously, but we do it in symbolism. Because we know on the inside we house the creator of the universe. And the Shekinah glory lives in each and every one of us. And he said, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits, praise God. And so every one of us, if he would just begin to see beyond this natural world that we live in, see beyond the crises of life and the challenges that we face, and then we'll sit back and just say, man, what was I thinking? God is in me. He's greater than what I'm going through. He's greater than what I'm facing. Why am I looking to myself or anybody else when I can look to him and put my eyes upon him and let him be God in and through my life? Man, I don't know about you. Wow, that's big to me. He saw the splendor, majesty, and holiness of God. Number two, he had conviction. Oh, he had conviction. Let's read it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Then said I, woe is me. Everybody say woe. <laughs> when he saw the holiness of God, what did he say? Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Join the crowd. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So as he's there in the presence of the glory of God, the holiness of God, he says, oh my goodness, I fall so short. Right? I fall so short. What do you think he could have done? Ordered some duct tape to cover his lips and cover his mouth to keep it silent and quiet? No, it's not going to work. But I'll tell you what happened. What happened was, praise God, God had a remedy for it. God sent an angel to take a coal from off the, the, the fire of the of sacrifice there. He got that charcoal, put it in his mouth and pured, purged or purified his lips of clay. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that's our third point. Look at it. Cleansing. Cleansing. He cleansed him. You see, you can't do it. I can't do it. Thank God there's something greater than the coal. Let's read it first. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched your lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Well, my brother and my sister, we've got something far superior to it a charcoal that came off the sacrificial fire we have the blood of the lamb that cleanses us from all unrighteousness from head to toe and everywhere in between and there's a continuous flow of the fountain of the blood of Jesus like a waterfalls of blood that cleanses us every day of our lives so we can stand holy and upright before the living God as Colossians says he has presented us to the father blameless irreproachable in the sight of the living God that we serve and so he cleansed them aren't you glad he cleansed our sin sick soul aren't you glad that his cleansing power continues every day in our lives so if we miss the mark today you know what get it under the blood in a heartbeat just like that and then don't get beat up by guilt and condemnation don't let the devil browbeat you and say I saw what you did do you stand right there back look at him and just say I know what you did 
And I know where you're going. I know your end. I know for a thousand years you're going to be locked up. And then when you get out, you think you're a big bully again. But then you're going to go back to the lake of fire for one thousand, forever and ever and ever. I know your end. And so as far as I'm concerned, get off my case. I'm cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I am holy and without spot and without blemish before the presence of the glory of the living God. And then finally, now we're ready. Now he's ready. He's commissioned now to go forth. The Lord says, who shall I send? Who shall I send? Who am I going to be, uh, who am I going to send as a spokesperson for me to let everybody know how good I am, how great I am, how wonderful I am, how powerful I am, how mighty I am, majestic I am, holy I am, glorious I am. And God asked the question. Let's read it in Isaiah verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I. Send me. Oh, I'll tell you what. When you've been in that place of his presence, there is a boldness about you. When you know you've got clarity, that you see God for who he really is. Okay, there's conviction that falls upon us because we're still in this human flesh, this body of ours, and we're going to miss the mark along the way. Anybody here, you've never missed the mark since you've been born again. Just raise your hand up real high. So we've all been down that road, haven't we? But you know what? You can stay under guilt and condemnation or you can rise up and just say, the efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ, praise God, outshines anything and everything that comes my way. Amen. And then be cleansed and then go forth. And that's how God wants us to live our lives every single day. Every day will be changed from glory to glory. So don't sit back and just think, well, that's as far as I can go. No. No, it's not. And change doesn't come by wishful thinking. It comes by sitting in the presence of the majesty and splendor of the living God with a sincere heart that says, Lord, I am yours. I belong to you. I give you opportunity and the right to change me from the inside out. Bring out of my spirit the glory, the holiness that you made deposit in my life when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to look into the mirror of your word, and as I continue to do, Holy Spirit, change me from glory to glory but by your power and might. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, it'll happen. It'll happen. Let's all stand together. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, 
I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.